HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Root 11 Potato Chips. Made with a secret recipe and superior ingredients, their mission is to make an outstanding product in a safe and clean environment. For more information, visit rt11.com. I'm Erica Wides, host of Let's Get Real, the cooking show about finding, preparing, and eating food. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Welcome to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. We're coming to you live from Roberta's Restaurant in Bushwick, Brooklyn. It is Wednesday, June 10th. This is the 67th episode of this series, which is dedicated to behind-the-scenes talents in the hospitality industry. Today, my guest is an amazing pastry chef and chocolate expert, and I will introduce him in a moment. First, as I do on every show, I will start out with my PR tip. Then later, we will have my speed round game industry news discussion, solo dining experience, and the final question. As the founder of Bayer Public Relations, I'm going to tip the show off with my PR tip of the week. Today's tip is to practice full disclosure. Let people know the truth about your clients, relationships, history, etc. As honesty is always the best policy. So in full disclosure, my guest today is one of my clients. And I am proud to be his PR representative and excited to have him on the show today. Also, in full disclosure, I love chocolate. So, tell it like it is. That's my tip today. Now, as I said, I'm thrilled to have my guest here. It is Jean-Francois Bonnet. He's the executive pastry chef of Tumbador Chocolate, a handcrafted chocolate company based in Brooklyn that utilizes the finest ingredients in the world. Jean-Francois previously worked for Danielle Ballou at Danielle in New York City. He grew up in France, where he lived above a bakery patisserie, which crystallized his love of baked goods. So welcome, Jean-Francois. Hi, Sherry. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to have you here. You're welcome. I made it. You made it. You certainly did. Out to, out to Bushwick. This is your first time to Roberta's. No, definitely. Oh, no, you've been here. Oh, it's a staple in Brooklyn. Okay, well, some people have heard of it, but hadn't been here or wanted to come so you're once they're lost yes absolutely <laughs> so 
Okay, so uh, this part of your bio that I read that you lived above this bakery, I, was that really what inspired you to to make a career into into the hospitality world? Uh, it was definitely a part of it. Okay. It was not the thing, mm-hmm. but it, it, it did help. And where in France did you grow up? It's a small town on the Riviera called Fréjus in Provence. Uh, That's why I skipped saying it, because I knew I was going to say it wrong. <laughs> For juice. Exactly. It's an old, old town. Very small, but uh, charming. I imagine. Okay, so so you went... So tell me a bit about the beginning of your career and how you got into pastry. Um, well, first I started as a savory chef. I didn't start with pastry. Um, I was in uh, Le Gorge de Pinafore, which is... Uh, um, a small hotel in uh, in the hills on the in the, in the wine region in, in my area in Provence and um, so I was studying as a savory chef but when you're an apprentice in France you do everything uh, I even did I was even the hostess when it was slow because I was the only one that spoke English or the host or the host. well oh. you know the hostess was sick <laughs> and I was there so <laughs> but did you go to cooking school or did you just Learn well, it's experience. an apprenticeship. It's okay. an apprenticeship. So you go to school uh, a day and a half a week, and uh, the rest of the week you actually have a job. You get paid peanuts, but you get paid. Got it. And you did that for a couple of years? For a couple of years, yeah. And uh, then I still stayed on the savory side. Um, but then now the restaurant, the pastry chef wasn't uh, too good, so they knew I had a background in pastry. So they, um, they had me take over the pastry. And then I had the opportunity to work with uh, a great pastry chef at uh, Jacques Chibois. And uh, that's where I wanted to go. So I started pastry. And then I met an American chef, Andrew Chase, that uh, dragged me to New York ah. uh, a few months later. And when was this? It was in 99. Uh, okay. And then you, got, you moved to New York and you worked in a couple of restaurants here before Danielle. I worked at the Monkey Bar uh, for a year. I worked at Cello. Then I opened uh, Ritz-Carlton Central Park, and then I ended up at Danielle. How did you end up at Danielle? Well, you know, all, all the, uh, the, the French guys in the city know each other. Right. It uh, happens that one of the chefs there had worked with me in France, and um, uh, then I met Danielle, and it uh, turns out that that year they had their party, the year before, they had their uh, staff party at Cello, so he knew the desserts. And uh, that's how I ended up there. I was kind of freaked out because I only worked in small kitchens. Uh, so I called Laurent Tourondel, that was the chef from Cello. And I told, he said, just go, take the job. But I was tough. I didn't know. It, w- it, was, it was tough, but it was a, it was a tremendous experience. Well, what was, it, what was it like? I mean, you were responsible for a lot. <sighs> it was uh, chaotic at times. <laughs> let's, let's say it as it is. You know, when... You, you, not only the restaurant is busy, but you, you have banquet. You have uh, the catering to take care of and to, to manage in pastry. Um, I had a tremendous team, uh, wonderful cooks, putting putting in a lot of hours and not by necessity, but because they loved it. Uh, they wanted to be a part of uh, 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 the, the making, the plating. They wanted to see everything. Right, and I read somewhere that you were responsible for making 20,000 chocolates a month. Well, that was the, yeah, we, we, uh, we were making tiny, tiny chocolates, but about 20,000 of them, and the room was fairly small. 
Uh, it was probably uh, a 10 by 10 room with an end rover and uh, we spent a full day, probably a 12, 14 hour day easy uh, making all those chocolates for the, uh, for, the, for the catering, for the banquet, for the restaurant. So that was a lot of fun. That was the first large, um, if I may, uh, chocolate production I was in charge of. Well, yeah. Well, and now you're in charge of a larger chocolate production. Much larger, yeah. <laughs> so what made you decide to leave the restaurant world and start Tomador? Well, I was very fortunate to meet uh, Michael Altman, my, uh, my business partner. And, uh, you know, at the time, uh, my wife was pregnant. Uh, I had just bought a house. Um, and I was turning 30. Old, you're getting old. I'm getting old, I know. (laughs) Don't tell me. (laughs) And, um, you know, when when you're at Danielle, you're at the top of the pastry game, at least in the restaurant, Mm -hmm. and you have to figure out what's your next move. Um, So it's either a lateral move or a complete change, and uh, I chose a complete complete change. You certainly did. And so my question I had from last week, I had on Elizabeth Thacker-Jones, which was episode 66, and she's the social media and culinary director at the USA Pavilion at the Expo Milano 2015. So she wanted to know what brought you to Brooklyn to make chocolate. My wife. (laughs) (laughs) Well, she, you know, she was in Brooklyn. She was born and raised in Brooklyn, and uh, uh, Michael wanted to find a space uh, close to my house so that if uh, need be, I can sleep there. (laughs) <laughs> nice guy, Michael. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and, but, you know, it, it was necessary for me to be uh, as available as possible, especially in the early days. Um, and uh, so we chose uh, Industry City. So you started in 2006. Yes. And tell me what that was like. Like, how did you decide what products to start with? Well, the, the, the main idea was to uh, uh, cater to hotels and bonbons and prep label boxes. You know, that bonbon on the pillow, uh, really personalized to the, to the hotel logo colors and whatnot. And uh, little by little, uh, we, uh, with the help of a lot of people around me, uh, we decided to go towards more of a... Uh, Nostalgia, Americana kind of thing. Give a personality to each confection, if I if, if I may say it this way. Um, you know, the peanut butter and jelly bar. Uh, I was already making it at Danielle as one of the petty fours. Uh, I've always liked to use uh, those kind of ingredients in that environment, whether it was uh, uh, cheesecake, peanut butter, uh, those kind, those kinds of very uh, deep-rooted American flavors. Yeah, I'm going to say, you're, you're French, really? <laughs> I know. When I first came to the States, they gave me a PB&J sandwich, and it was a revelation. Uh, yeah. When I went back to France, I was looking for uh, white bread and peanut butter and jelly. That's what I grew up on, with the crust cut off. I never liked crust. No, I like the crust. But that, that's a very American yeah, uh, yeah, traditional yeah, absolutely. lunch. I've, I've, I've uh, actually had a lot of my friends liked it. So, you know, we think in France, uh, especially in the South, uh, peanuts only to go with pastis. That's it. You don't put peanuts in food. It's at the bar, and you have it with your aperitif. Uh, but I found that in pastry, they're, they're a phenomenal ingredient. Right. So you have your bars. So you have the salted peanut 
and the salted peanut as well. Um, we have the s'mores, which is, I mean, very American. Yeah. Um, uh, we do uh, we do a lot of toffees, and then we do uh, what we call the little devils, uh, which are basically a ringding but homemade. Um, and then we have a red velvet version of it. Um, so it's it's all a, you know very uh, keeping keeping a uh, old world approach, uh, but making it very accessible to to uh, anybody in uh, in the U.S. Yes, and having had many of these, they're all so delicious. Okay, so we're going to take a little break here, come okay. back and talk some more. So stay with us. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. following program has been brought to you by Root 11 Potato Chips. From the moment Root 11 Potato Chips dropped their first batch of chips back in the early days of 1992, they understood their destiny as a high-quality producer. Instead of succumbing to the frenzy of mass production, they took advantage of their small size and made chipping a personal art form. The payoff was immediate. Incredible potato chip. With a secret recipe and superior ingredients, their mission is to make an outstanding product in a safe and clean environment. In this world of uncertainty that we live in, Root 11 Potato Chips believes comfort food should be just that. Know where your food comes from. For more information, visit rt11.com. Welcome back to Own the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Jean-Francois Bonnet of Tumbador Chocolate. So let's get into this private labels that you briefly mentioned because as this show is about behind the scenes in the industry, that was one of the things I really um, found that you do, this chocolate behind the scenes. That I think I always tell people they've probably had your chocolate, even if they don't know it, because you do so many private labels in hotels and beyond. So mm-hmm. how did, I mean, that was the basis of how you started your business or part of it. Yeah. In the beginning, the hotel, the, the hotel business was what we were going after. Uh, but you know, after 2008, a lot of hotels were very slow. So we decided to uh, uh, switch gear and go towards uh, specialty stores and uh, some restaurants. Also, our first restaurant was uh, Fatty Crab. Uh, collaborated with uh, Zach Palacio um, to create uh, two bars that ended up at being sold at Williams Sonoma. Um, then we created uh, two other bars. Um, then we collaborated with... And um, just side note, his mom is uh, Linda Palaccio. She's a host on Heritage Radio Network. Oh, there you go. So, small world. Small, of course, it is yeah. a tiny world. It is. The restaurant industry is very small. So so you're saying other collaborations? Uh, with uh, We did one with Todd English at the Plaza Food Hall in the beginning. And we still have uh, his bar made it onto our line, the Sweet and Salty Bar. Was uh, was a collaboration of uh, you know Todd English's ideas and what what I translated to. And these you're not you're giving your label is not on these products, so you're just creating the 
the deliciousness. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Well, I'll label it. You know, we give the choice to people. Obviously, it's a good thing for us. They can have, you know, manufactured exclusively for such and such by Tumbado Chocolate. I think it gives a, because, uh, I mean, you know that that restaurant is not making the bars themselves, most likely. So it gives kind of a, uh, a, a, a stamp of quality and by saying who makes it. Right. Well, you know it, but I, well, I just today had a coffee at La Pan Quotidienne, mm-hmm. and at the counter they have the chocolate uh, baguettes, mm-hmm. and when you flip over it, it says at the bottom, made by Tombador. Yes, a lot of our packaging. Is yeah, packaging. so, but it's one of those, I didn't, that's why I say, I'm sure everyone's had your chocolate, because yeah. you're, mm-hmm. and the hotels, I know, uh, Mandarin Oriental, Trump, Four Seasons, I mean, you, so how did, what's that process like when you work with these hotels, and, no, and other businesses? As, as uh, a lot of things in the restaurant industry, it's, it's uh, a relationship before anything it's a relationship they have to like you and your product obviously um, and we're here to represent their brand uh, we care about their brand as much as they do almost because uh, it, it, it has to be perfect uh, consistency and uh, uh, the, the turnaround is what what makes us special uh, a lot of our uh, clients you know they have so many uh, other things to think about than uh, chocolates uh, that a lot of times they call it last minute they're completely out of chocolate and we, uh, we're we going to send someone on the subway or they'll have it the next day uh, we'll keep our staff to finish it off and, and make sure they have uh, their uh, their order on time so that they can distribute it to their guests it's um, you know yes you, you want the business but also you want to please the customer That's that goes right. hand in hand obviously that's, that's the hospitality part exactly mm-hmm. So how how much production are you doing now? Where what's your volume? What's the volume? I think we use about um, 140, 150 thousand pounds of chocolate a year, uh, and then you know everything else that goes with it—the cream, the butter, the sugar, the nuts. Uh, so quite a bit from from the early days. Yeah, and, and how big is your staff now? About. 30, 34, 35 off-season, and up to 40, 43 maybe uh, during the, the busier time from October to, de- October to December. Yeah, and I've been, having been out to the factory, it's very fun. It is like, a ch- it is a chocolate factory, and I always feel a little like that, that I Love Lucy scene with the, the conveyor belt of the chocolates, and and um I mean, what's, what's your favorite part of working with chocolate and, and having left the restaurant world and what you're doing now? Well, on a personal level, uh, my favorite part is that uh, I can go home and see my family at night most of the year. When in the restaurant business, you have to be there for service. You get home, your, uh, your child is sleeping. Uh, so on a personal level, that's it. On a professional level, I've learned a tremendous amount uh, about about chocolate, about confection. Uh, you know, when you make uh, a filling, a ganache or a praline at Danielle or in a restaurant, you make a small batch. Uh, when you turn that batch into uh, hundreds of pounds, it's going to react differently. So your, your formulas have to change. There's, there's a tremendous understanding that goes along with it. Uh, so making bonbons at home or in a restaurant environment and in the factory, it's, it's a complete... Uh, it, it's a huge difference. Does the weather affect it too? 
No, because you know the factory is a, is a controlled environment, so it's always the same temperature, whether it's two degrees outside or 95. Well, when it's 95, <laughs> you might feel it a little. A little bit of trouble, but you know, summer, winter, the, the, the weather and the, the fact, the temperature in the factory and the humidity are always the same. Right. And I know for holidays you do specials. I mean, that's good. It's fun. You get to create magic uh, all all year long. So, what what do you have for Father's Day coming up? Father's Day, we have a, um, a toffee corn nut. Corn nuts. Corn nut with uh, uh, a blend of chilies and uh, and lime, and it's like a, a duo in a box. And the other one is the roasted butter roasted baguette with drenched in dark chocolate and sprinkled with uh, fleur de sel, which is a fancy way to say sea salt in French. I, would say. I knew what that was. <laughs> <laughs> it does sound better in French. Though. I know. A little bit. So I don't think so. so. A lot of people say so. Yeah. And anyone can order these? I mean, you're, you're around the world? Yeah, on the web, we can send it anywhere from the website. And uh, there's a few customers that are carrying it. Uh, off the top of my head, I'm not sure who, uh, but it's probably somewhere on our website, on right. Twitter, on Facebook, probably. It probably is. Ask our PR. <laughs> At the end of the show, I'll give I'll give your your um, social media and mm-hmm. website info. So, what what else is in the works for Tumbador? Well, right now, uh, the funny thing is we're working we're sending samples uh, of. Um, uh, uh, Christmas confection. Ah. We're already sending out. Uh, we've sent Halloween out. The selections were made. Uh, and we sent today a new confection. We're going to call them uh, uh, snowballs. It's a, a small pretzel bowl covered in uh, milk and white chocolate and has uh, uh, organic peppermint candy powder inside. So they're like little round white bowls that taste like pretzel, peppermint, white chocolate, and we made a bark, too, which is a two-layered bark with uh, a peppermint, uh, no, milk chocolate pretzel uh, layer, and the top layer is white chocolate and peppermint. I've been convinced uh, by some clients and some co-workers that peppermint is a must during the holidays. I wasn't sure, though. Well, you do see a lot of peppermint bark. So now I've learned my lesson. Yeah. Make peppermint everything. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're get, before we take a break, just about the name Tumbador. How did you come up with that? Well, it wasn't the, uh, the initial name of the company. The, the initial name of the company was Theobroma Chocolate. Theobroma is the botanical name of cocoa, which means food of the gods in Greek. And, uh, but that name was taken. Um, so we kept that name for the LLC. And... Tumbador came, what we were looking for, a word that was long enough to fit with the logo because the whole thing was already done. Uh, And uh, it had to fit. Working backwards. (laughs) Pretty much. And um, uh, the former um, director of sales that we had uh, found the name Tumbadors, which was the, uh, um, I guess it's a plantation slang uh, uh, from the Spanish tumbar, uh, you know, knocking the pods. They're the one that picked the uh, the pods on the uh, uh, on the plantation. Good story, yeah. And there you have your name and your there logo. You mm-hmm. uh, the logo <laughs> the logo is a twist on uh, a cocoa leaf, if you like. Makes sense. 
great. Okay, we're going to take another break. We're going to come back. We're going to do my speed round game, talk some industry news. It's only industry on Heritage Radio Network. Welcome back. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Jean-Francois Bonnet. It's time for my speed round game. So what this is, is I'm going to name two things, and you just pick your preference. Like chocolate or vanilla. Chocolate. Yeah, that was, that was an easy one to start. Okay. Although they go hand in hand. Yes, uh, they do. <laughs> chocolate is better with vanilla, maybe, and vanilla is better with chocolate. Someone like you, like that's how you would answer it. Yes, absolutely. Okay, let's go on. Happy. Absolutely. Okay, eat in or eat out. Eat out. Wine, beer, or cocktail. Wine. Tasting menu or a la carte. Oh, that's a tough one. Okay, tasting menu. I never said this was going to be easy. Huh? Small plates or large plates? Small plates. Tipping or all-inclusive charge? Tipping. Communal table or chef's counter? Chef's counter. Restaurant life or chocolate factory life? (laughs) Chocolate factory. (laughs) At my age, chocolate factory. When I was young, restaurant all the way. Got it. Dark chocolate or milk chocolate? Dark chocolate. Or should I even put white chocolate in that that running? Probably not. Uh, I don't want to be a hater of white chocolate. It, <laughs> you know, it's but, uh, yeah. It's um, it's like condensed milk in a bar, so it's good. Um, it, it can be good, uh, but not dark. Okay, two more: cheese plate or dessert? Cheese plate. Manhattan, Brooklyn, or what's the city in France? For Fréjus. 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 Uh, it depends. <laughs> it depends. But definitely Brooklyn over Manhattan. Okay. Great. That's the game. All right. Did I score any good? My dad keeps score, so we'll find out later. Oh. He started doing that. He got very into the game. But I don't know. It's his rules. Because <laughs> I don't keep score. Well, just bring him some of the Everyone in my in my game, the way I do it, everyone wins. And what you win is to play, um, to talk some industry news. So that's okay. what we're going to do now. Let's go. <laughs> okay, so not not happy news, but it was announced in the New York Times that Roger Verge, the founder of Nouvelle Cuisine, has died at age 85. Um, there was an article by William Grimes. And Roger Verge is... Uh, very highly influential um, in Provencal cooking. He was, which was called 
the cuisine of the sun. Also, there's something about happy cuisine he was known for. Um, apparently, he died of complications from diabetes. And I'm, I, I knew of him, um, definitely as someone influential, but I was wondering, if, is, he, is he someone that influenced your career? Uh, well, it's very funny that uh, we're talking about him because I almost worked there. I, I had the choice between two restaurants in Mougin and New York City and ended up in New York City. Uh, but they were looking for uh, a pastry chef at the time, and uh, I, I had a phone interview, not with him, uh, but I had a phone interview with someone there, and uh, I chose New York City. Wow. But he, it, it would have been a, a, a tremendous honor to work for him, absolutely. Yeah, well, it said, I read Danielle worked for him. Mm-hmm, Yep. Actually, there was a quote that said Danielle called him the Cary Grant of the culinary world. I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. No, you know, in the, in, in the south, you have uh, uh, in the south of France, you have those chefs uh, that represent the uh, Provençal cuisine, uh, like Jacques Chibois, like uh, Jacques Maximin is one of the uh, uh, one of the most renowned chefs, not only for his cuisine but for his uh, personality. Uh, and um, Chef Verger was definitely one of them. Yeah. Well, it's sad he passed away. He lived a long, pretty long life, 85. So I, I know I know people in our world have been sad about this. It's always sad. It doesn't matter what age. True. So other news. Grub Street had that pastry chef Michael Lasconis is going to join the Garces team. And this is... Michael used to work for Le Bernardin. Mm-hmm. And he's been the creative director at New York City's Institute of Culinary Education and so now he's going with Jose Garces who has 19 restaurants and he's opened in New York he's from Philly and mm-hmm. do, do you know Michael? Uh, yeah of course yeah, we've everyone, of, yeah. everyone knows each other right? whether from, from, from near or from far we all know of or we all know each other uh, yeah, well, tremendous I- chef tremendous chef very very passionate very creative uh very, very, very nice guy. Yeah, he is nice. I've met him before. And so I just thought it was interesting that he was going back to the restaurant world. But it seems more as a consultant versus when he was at Le Bernardin, he was um, in-house. Well, you know, it's uh, as a pastry chef, especially now, where pastry has evolved so much in the past 10 years, um, you, you always want to be uh, creating. And he was creating at uh, at. At ice, ice no yeah. doubt, uh, but there's there's that uh, that thing where you want to give it to the public, and it's uh, uh, the, the restaurant business always calls your name. Uh, the, the atmosphere of the kitchen is uh, is fantastic. It doesn't matter whether you're spending twelve, fourteen hours in there. Uh, it's it's being in an environment where everybody is working towards the same goal. Everybody's passionate about uh, about what we're doing. And uh, it's it, it, when you're a chef, your your best friends are in the industry because most of the people outside the industry can't understand uh, why you're spending so much time. And, you know, uh, most chefs when they're all on their day off, uh, they go into the market, they're uh, eating out, they're cooking at home. It's it's all about cooking. Ninety uh, percent of your books at home are cookbooks. Or books about chefs, or uh, it's 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 all about it. 
it's not only a, it's a passion, it's, it's a lifestyle. Uh, it's, it's hard to understand. No, I understand, even though I, I'm not a chef, but I feel that's, I think that's our world, the hospitality culinary oh, world, absolutely. and the, what I call the industry is like, mm-hmm. we're all just kind of obsessed. No, it's, <laughs> no, it's, you know, we live and breathe it and can't differentiate social and work life. It's just one life. You live to eat. Yeah. You don't eat to live. No, you, you, <laughs> you travel long distances to go to restaurants like when I, I do. When I, when, when I plan vac- vacation, it's first we have to know where we're going to eat, and then from the, mm-hmm. uh, the, the restaurant we'll know what site we'll visit. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's, that's the way you do it. Okay, <laughs> okay and one more, one more thing I wanted to bring up. It was announced last week in the New York Times that Serious Eats and Road Food are sold to Fexi Media, and this was, I wasn't familiar with Fexi Media. It's a Seattle-based new media company that launched last year. But I am familiar with Serious Eats and Road Food, especially Serious Eats because it was founded in 2006 by Ed Levine as, you know, a food-focused, like, Serious Eats food blog. Mm -hmm. And I think people thought Ed might have been crazy back then starting this site and being so obsessed with covering food and... Now it's been bought out, and it just keeps uh, getting bigger, you know, the, our industry, and I think more attention to it. It's, it's you know, the, it's also very uh, attractive to, as a French chef, to come to, uh, to America because of that, um, uh, I don't want to say star status, because it's not what, what, what I feel, but there's, uh, there's always something uh, um, Magical, I think, about being a chef here because people really uh, are amazed at what you do. They're, they're really into it. it. It's it's fantastic. Like the, you know, whether you're a pastry chef or a chef, or it, it, they're very very interested in what you're doing, and they can't do it, so therefore you're a magician or something. Right. Well, congratulations to Ed and Jean and Michael Stern who have Road Food. It's a it's a big deal. Okay, so one more short break. We're going to come back. I'm going to do my solo dining experience. It's all in the industry on Heritage Radio Network. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. It's time for my solo dining experience of the week, which this week is at Porchlight. Here's the rundown. The location, 271 11th Avenue at 28th Street in Manhattan. The concept, a bar with a southern accent. The owner, Danny Meyer, and partner Mark Mayard Parisi. Why did I go? Because it's Danny Meyer's first cocktail bar, and I'm a fan. My experience. I went in on a late Sunday afternoon, found a seat at the bar. It took a little bit to get the bartender's attention, but once I did, he took great care of me. What did I get? Well, he made me a mocktail with ginger, lime, and cinnamon, and I got the pimento cheese sandwich. My take. 
The mocktail was nice and refreshing, had a little spice from the fresh ginger. And the pimento cheese was the best and probably the first pimento cheese sandwich I've had at a bar. It came on white bread with Zapp's potato chips. It was definitely a Sunday indulgence. The scene, locals enjoying cocktails and casual eats. Perfect for soloists, couples, or groups. Interesting tidbit, Porchlight is located in the enormous waterfront New York building, which dates back to 1891. They have a game room in the back that can be rented out. Personal fun fact. I ran into my friend and fellow publicist Hannah Lee and her boyfriend Michael, who work on Porchlight's PR, and I also city biked home to work off the cheese. The cost, $15. Would I go back? Indeed. The website is porchlightbar.com. So, it's now time for the final question. So next, well, it's not next week, but on my next show, I'm having on Michelle Nishan. He's the founder and CEO and president of Wholesome Wave, an organization that strives to create a vibrant, just, and sustainable food system. He also won James Beard Foundation's Humanitarian of the Year Award this year. He's a great guy. So, Jean-Francois, can you ask a question for Michelle? Anything you want. (laughs) Anything I want. Anything. What's his favorite chocolate? (laughs) Well, yeah, but he's only one answer you can give on that one. (laughs) Um... Yeah, why not? What's his favorite chocolate? I didn't mean why to not? give you a question. No, that, I mean, that's, that's a very good question coming from me, actually. You thought of it before me. Well, no, but do you have another one? Or else we'll go with that, but... Mm, no, let's go with that. Okay. I'm going to feel bad I gave you your question, no, but... No, it was, was great. It was okay. Great. I didn't know what to say. You <laughs> caught me off guard. Yeah, well, glad I could help out. I didn't study. <laughs> you're, you're a chef <laughs> well yeah exactly okay great so that's the show it was a pleasure being here sorry I made it late that's okay it was great having you I love working with you I love your chocolates thank you very much I brought some so you, now you can forgive me uh, you're forgiven awesome thank you thank you very much so I've been speaking with Jean-Francois Bonnet he's the executive pastry chef of Tumbador Chocolate Handcrafted Chocolate Company based in Brooklyn. Their website is tumbadorchocolate.com. Twitter, JFB Chocolate, and, oh, that's at JFB Chocolate, and at Tumbador Tweets. Instagram, at JFB underscore Bonet, and at Tumbador Chocolate. My handles are at Sherry Bayer, at Bayer PR, at All Industry, at Heritage underscore Radio. My Facebook page is All in the Industry, and my website's BayerPublicRelations.com. As a reminder, all of our shows are archived on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We are also on Stitcher and iTunes, so you can download our episodes as podcasts anytime and listen. Now, I'm away next week. I'm going to the menu of Change Conference, menus of Change Conference at the CIA in Hyde Park. The following week will be my coverage of this conference, so please tune in then. My next live show with Michelle is Wednesday, July 1st at 4 p.m. Thanks always to my engineer, Jack and to John Francois and everyone out there listening. I'm Sherry Bayer. Thanks for being part of All in the Industry. Bye. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. 
You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. You can email us with questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. Everybody.